0: Hey, my name is Zach and this is the Plaid Jacket Philosopher, the podcast for tradespeople and the blue-collar working class. I'm hoping to punch a few holes in the stereotypes that surround the blue-collar workers and hopefully share a lot of the stories behind how we got into our line of work and the honest joy you can get from working outside of the office space. The plan is to mix in interviews as well as some solo stories from job sites, fatherhood, and personal experiences that led me to where I am today. Some will be funny, some will be personal, but hopefully any and all content here can help broaden what your opinion is of the blue-collar middle class. I started writing out notes for this week with the intention of talking about my reasons for getting into the trades and different stories along the way. Um, But as I went along, I realized that the topic was a lot more fitting for today's situation. I'm going to get back into my beginnings in the workforce, but today I'd like to speak about remote work sites and their relation to the isolation that many of us feel today with the COVID uh, lockdown. So between oil field and uh, the gold mine that I had worked at, I spent about five to six years working out of town. Um, my, uh, my shift lengths ranged from, I had a 21 and three, which means 21 days on, three days off, um, to, I mean, two and two, which is two weeks in camp, two weeks out of camp, uh, two and ones, which were two weeks in, one week out. Um, And then I worked three-in-ones for a while as well. So three weeks in, one week out. Um, My most common shift and the most common one in the oil field is two weeks in, one week out. Um, And all these camps were a little bit different, which I'll get into later. But kind of the overarching theme anywhere I was was... And I've never gone to prison, but I worked with guys who have. And they would kind of relate it to that, uh, especially in oil field, just because everything was extremely regimented. we had, for example, like coming out of camp, we had I know it was one of the biggest work camps in North America, if not the world. I think it was number two at the time for manpower. Uh it serviced a number of sites up north in uh north of Fort McMurray and in and around the oil field area there. But we had five thousand people in the one camp and then in its kind of secondary overflow camp there were another twenty, eight hundred, I believe. So it was just under eight thousand people. Uh, between workers and then security and cook staff and everybody but uh, yeah it very much felt that way I mean even coming out of camp in the morning you would kind of line up around 4 30 to 5 a.m and depending on what site you went to there were shuttle buses all the way out, all out front probably I don't know 40 to 50 of them uh, the big greyhound style buses but they were a bit nicer than that um, but you'd all line up basically behind your gates you'd have your key card we referred to them as cattle gates because that's kind of what it felt like all of a sudden the buzzer would go off the gates would go green and then you would take your key card scan out and then obviously come through those gates at the end of the day at the end of a 10 12 hour day whatever it was um, and that would kind of account for who was in camp at the time who was still off site and that way they could keep track of everybody and the idea there was basically unless you had Special permission or we're going in for a material run into town or something you were locked in behind those gates in the camp for uh, The rest of the time so the only way or the only reason you'd be out of camp is just for work um, So I mean obviously there's some correlations to kind of at least how I was feeling Especially at the beginning of this lockdown when nobody really knew what was going on You kind of felt isolated. Uh, I mean I would still leave for work because again, we didn't have too much of a slowdown but Um, Other than that, it was in our house, Uh, we didn't leave anywhere, our kids didn't go anywhere at the beginning. Um, And you know, everybody was kind of nervous about what this whole virus entailed and uh, just how bad it was going to get. So one of the differences I was getting at earlier um, in the camps was that some we went to were uh, wet camps, meaning that they had a bar or they at least allowed you to bring in uh, booze to site. And then other camps were dry camps, so obviously that was no alcohol to be brought in or served well in camp. And the differences between these camps were pretty stark. Um, I know that in the wet camps there were a lot more fights and violence that broke out at camp specifically. I didn't ever see it at sight. I mean tempers would flare but it it was like that whether it was dry or wet. Um, But in camp specifically you really noticed a difference in uh, people's relation to each other, um, just the aggression and the anger that got taken out, especially in the cafeteria or the gyms. And then whereas in the dry camps, everything seemed to be a lot cooler headed, a lot more relaxed. Um, people kind of focused on their work more than socializing after, which I mean, could be good or bad. But when you mix in booze and that level of isolation and loneliness, uh it spelt trouble a lot of the time. Uh, usually fights would break out in the cafeteria or, yeah, again, yelling matches at the gym or something like that. And also that would spill over into the work site as well where we had a lot less uh, incidences, safety incidences or injuries on the dry camps as opposed to the wet camps. Uh, people who would come in hungover or withdrawing or anything like that. Um, so we noticed a big, a big difference in productivity as well. And I remember reading stats and reading stories about how, you know, liquor stores were selling out faster than they could keep stock. Um, people were really hitting the liquor stores hard and liquor sales were up. And that's kind of understandable, especially with everybody being new to this situation, stress levels being high. And um, I imagine depression taking hold in a lot of people. I know at least where I live in our community. I mean, we've been relatively... Um, we've been pretty lucky when it comes to COVID infections, but I know that here we've had more deaths related to suicide and overdoses than COVID. And I think that, I think that as the numbers are coming out, at least across Canada, um, as far as I know, those numbers are, they're pretty bleak when it comes to suicides and yeah, and overdoses, especially related to opioids. And I know that, uh, at least in camp, Guys that I would talk to would definitely say that their drinking would increase while in camp when I was in the wet camps. Um, and so, it, I mean, I think it's pretty obvious if you're sad, if you're lonely, uh, you're going to dive into the substances a bit more. I mean, I'm not saying that that isolation is the reason behind the addiction, but it can definitely accentuate it. I think that's pretty obvious nowadays, too, with what we're going through. And going back to camp, I know in my early days, the first camp that I went to was a wet camp. And I got into the booze pretty heavy while I was on site. It was uh, it was kind of a- adjusting to being out of town. At that time, I was doing three weeks in, three weeks out. And I know that my first three-week stint was pretty brutal. Um, not that the workload was any heavier than any of the other stints I did later on. It was just kind of getting used to that level of isolation, being away from my family, being away from my friends, and just being away from... Of everyday life, I couldn't go to the movies, couldn't go out to eat, you know, nothing like that, nothing to blow off any steam. Um, so what I really dove into, especially in that first shift, was drinking, and a lot of that was to kind of get over my uh kind of introverted tendencies. Like, I figured that I had to meet people up there, I had to get some kind of a social life, and the only way I could do that was by drinking and I mean it obviously I felt like it helped with uh, the stress and the isolation until the next morning until I had to work a 12-hour shift feeling like that Um, but I kind of said to myself after that first shift that that wasn't wasn't going to be the way I was going to spend my time up there Um, And so when I came back from my three weeks, I kind of got recharged, hung out with the family, hung out with friends, went out and did a lot of stuff that I had kind of really missed while I was in camp. And when I came back, um, I focused a lot more on myself, focused a lot more on growing whatever I could out of that. Um, And a lot of that came from setting pretty strict goals and kind of checkpoints along the way in a three-week shift. I mean, it's pretty easy when you get in there to look at, you know, 21 days ahead of me, uh, and get discouraged pretty quickly. So I would kind of set markers, you know, 25% of the way. So at day five, I would kind of, whatever, get excited, mark it off on my phone, mark it off on my calendar. And then so on day 10, day 15, day 20, cause then it was just one more day left. And it, uh, it helped pass the time that way. It kind of gave me checkpoints along the way as I was winning, kind of like what I was talking about in the last podcast with setting, setting kind of small goals that you can reach and you can crush in the meantime uh, to kind of keep you distracted from the bigger picture uh, as well as kind of the bigger picture becoming too daunting. So I kind of dove into personal stuff that time, uh, things that I figured would help me grow as a person. So a lot of that was reading. Uh, I picked up a Kobo or whatever it was. It was e readers my first time out and loaded up on books. And then at that time, we were also building uh, the gym in camp. So that helped. That kind of helped get away from just sitting in your cabin and boozing with other co-workers. Uh, rather, we would spend some time at the gym, go work out. I mean, honestly, there's not much else to do at camp. It's eat, work, eat, gym, sleep. And that's about it. You do that every day for fourteen to twenty one days. And you know, I mean, again, if you if once I set my mindset differently, I actually was able to grow a lot through that, but it's still, I mean, it's tough, it's a grind. There's a lot of time out there. and like I said, it's really easy to fall into the booze or the self-destructive behavior because there's there's not much up there to blow off steam. Um, it kind of gets bottled up. Everybody's feeling the same way and nobody really talks about it, which, I mean, I don't know, maybe it's different up there nowadays. It seems mental health is a lot more open and in the in the public eye, which is great, uh, which is a lot of what I kind of wanted to get into on this podcast and why I started this podcast is because it's kind of, it's enlightening to hear other people's stories from that too. I mean, everybody struggles and I think it's a... Uh, I think this could be a great avenue to talk to kind of everyday people and hear what their struggles are, how they deal with it, what gets them through their day. Um, but anyway, so and what I found was that especially when you were isolated, much like a lot of us are today, those things kind of uh, they amplify in importance because. If you're not taking care of yourself, it's really easy to get self-destructive, whereas when you have friends around or you can go visit people, you can kind of blow off that steam if it starts to build up. But if you're stuck at home alone, like a lot of us are these days, that starts to build up and eat at you. And um, I know that it's eaten at me at times. I have family members who are going through struggles with this. I have friends who are going through struggles with this, and it's... It's tough to see because a lot of the time, like I'll I'll talk to people on the phone, but some people still don't want to get together because they're they're worried, you know, and to each their own. I'm I'd say my stress levels with the virus have gone down over time. That's not saying that you know I'm going having big parties or anything, but I'm not as terrified of it, which has definitely helped clear my head out a bit. But uh, it's important when you're when you're stuck by yourself to really. Try to focus in on things that you can do to grow yourself. So for me, that's reading. Uh, When the gym was closed down, I started running, which I hate doing, but it was something to kind of, again, just blow off steam, blow off a bit of aggression, go run around the block a few times. And um, yeah, I found that really helped. I mean, now our gyms have opened up. I think they've been opened up for about six weeks now. So I'm happy to get back at that. But again, the running it really it really helped and it's something that i never would have done before that i have always hated running and so i even find like like me and a buddy will phone will talk about whatever some book that we've read and it kind of gives us something to keep our minds off of it which i think is important like if you can distract yourself from everything that's going on which isn't easy because it seems there's noise from every single corner of the news right now every single corner of the tv which is also why I've kind of tried to switch to books, uh, turn off the TV, kind of shut down the electronics for a little bit and uh, and read for a change. It's kind of good. I, I just switch personally between fiction and nonfiction. Uh, I like reading about history mainly, and then, but then I'll switch it up to, you know, I've read through the uh, the Game of Thrones books. Um, those ones are awesome. I just wish that George R. R. Martin would finish that series before I go crazy and before he passes away from something. Um, but anyway, yeah, like, I just find that it gives us something to talk about, something to take our minds off of. And, like, again, me and my buddy, were both pretty big into reading, so we've read a lot of the same books. Uh, we would discuss it. We'd discuss it back in back on site, too. Like, we had the biggest group of nerds on site. And, I mean, at least out there, electricians were known as the, the nerds on site. Like, we had our Xboxes up there. We'd have... Uh, like get togethers where we'd have four of us playing on the projector in the gym. And, you know, I mean, it was fun. Like it was, it was a blast, but then we'd also, we'd read books and we'd have our theories going and it was a blast. It was something that it was ultimately something to keep our mind off of the situation we were in because all of us were stuck in this same situation of kind of isolation. At least we had each other up there, which was huge, but that's still what I try to do now through all this is, you know, we'll read books, we'll call each other up, we'll kind of talk about, oh, you know, this or that, and we'll develop theories if the series isn't over yet, like and that's relating back to at sight, we would we had the craziest theories going on for Game of Thrones. We've probably written a better ending than George R. R. Martin ever could. Um, so we'll see. Hopefully he finished that one of these days. But yeah, all in all, if there's anything you can do to kind of take your mind off of this that's in a constructive manner, um, rather than just numbing yourself to it to, I don't know, kind of just shift your viewpoint a little bit, focus on something else other than the news or other than what's going on or how long this is going to go on for. Cause I think that's, yeah, that's one of the toughest things is we just don't know. Um, and then if you can build a support network around you, like friends who, even if you aren't seeing them physically in person, um, It's great, like, you know, even watch the same shows together and then talk about that or something, but something that kind of gives you that common connection and that you can open up to other people despite the physical distance, at least you guys have the same things going on. And I I couldn't, yeah, I couldn't recommend that enough. I find that it's such such a great way to kind of take your mind off of everything, get a good distraction, as well as maintaining those friendships through this uh, time of physical distancing. Now I read some meme kind of at the beginning of this lockdown, probably probably a couple weeks to a month in. It was something about how we're all we're all dealing with the same storms, but we're in very different boats. And I think that can relate a lot back to these camps. Um, I spent probably all in all, I spent time at about 12 to 15 different camps, and all of them had different amenities, much like each of our lives we have different things, we're in different positions financially, we're in different positions when it comes to family or support groups, like within our immediate bubbles. And again, so relating back to these camps, we had, we had ones all the way from wall tents and cabins in, like in the exploration phases of that mine that I was at, where, I mean, I was lucky, we got shifted into a cabin that at least had plywood walls and insulation, but A lot of the guys were still in wall tents so just it was a a wood frame with a canvas wrap around it and you had a diesel stove heating for for heat. That was it. Uh, They were pretty brutal. (laughs) The wind would just rip through them Um, as you can imagine. I mean where we were it's in the top of it's right where I think it's four or five glaciers kind of converge on the top of this mountain and the wind just rips through there. And so if you're in a wall tent, I mean, I spent four nights in a wall tent and you, I couldn't sleep worth shit. So I can't imagine the guys who were in there for three weeks straight, day in and day out after working that long shift. And then you sleep in what sounds like a wind tunnel. It, it was brutal. But then we also had other camps where, uh, so the, the top... The best camp I'd stayed at, I'd say, was while they were actually building the workers' camp. So we got to stay in the management camp. And it was, it was incredible. I mean, we went into this camp. They had probably, I don't know, I'm going to guess a 15,000 square foot gym. They had two tennis courts. They had an indoor floor hockey arena. They had an outdoor ice rink for hockey. They had a full movie theater. They had... a a full service Starbucks in there that was free to any worker in camp, you just, we would roll up there every morning, I would grab two white chocolate mochas because and holy shit did I put on the weight at that camp. But I mean, it was incredible for dinner there, we would have every week we'd have lobster every week we'd have prime rib. Uh, We'd have spaghetti one night we had wing Wednesday. And like every week, it was kind of the same menu, but it was incredible. Like, I've never been to a camp where they served lobster. We had, actually that's not true, we had king crab one time at the mine, and that was when we hit the big vein that we were chasing, so it was kind of as a treat to the whole site, and it was right around Christmas too, so it it worked, it was awesome, it was amazing, but definitely wasn't the regular, and it wasn't, it had never been served anywhere at any of the other camps that I've been to. And at this camp we had, so a lot of camps, the best camps you have your own bathroom, which this this one did. You have your own bathroom, your own shower. Most camps I found had Jack and Jill. So you would share in between two rooms. You would have a bathroom and a shower. So you'd share with one person. And then again, at that exploration camp, we just had bunkhouse showers. So you'd be going in there, uh, 30 shower stalls, and then there were, whatever, 15, 16 toilets, all in this big, same, long, common area. So it was, yeah, it was a stark difference between the two. And, and, I mean, I think a lot of this relates to kind of the different situations a lot of us are in. I mean, some of us are sitting pretty where we haven't been impacted at all. There's a lot of people who have been making more money now, thanks to this, and then there's a lot of people who are struggling to get by and who are kind of grasping at straws and doing whatever they can to kind of just float, keep above water through this time. Some people are are sinking. I mean, I know right now this is middle or September 7th is when I'm recording this. And I know in Canada, at least, the mortgage deferrals are starting to end. I think they're taking the last deferral September 30th. And basically, if you've taken it, you know, it's going to expire. So if you started your mortgage deferral, at the beginning of this thing, maybe the end of March, you have till the end of September, and then you're back to paying mortgage payments, whether you've got a job or don't. So I know here right now, our real estate market has fired up. um, And I mean, a lot of people don't really seem to have an explanation for it. But what I'm curious about and kind of scared of is what happens when these deferrals do stop. And What happens, you know, if people don't have work, they're going to be foreclosing on their mortgages, they're going to be kicked out of their houses. I mean, the rental freeze is up as well. So yeah, I mean, tougher times are coming, which is kind of scary to say, considering what we've already gone through and through what a lot of people are going through. And uh, again, it's just I mean, and it's something that I kind of, I have to keep reminding myself of, because we're, we're pretty lucky. Like I said, I had, we had maybe a week and a half to two weeks where work dried up, and then it's kind of continued along steadily for now. I don't know what's going to happen in the aftermath of all this, but again, we're just bracing for and preparing for it however we can, and we, you know, I, I have to count ourselves lucky. Because a lot of people have no income. They're relying on CERB payments, which are the Canadian Emergency Release Benefit um, or Emergency Response Benefit, sorry. And yeah, I mean, at least they're still continuing that on, I guess. Who knows what the long-term economic implications will be of that. But you got to keep people fed. You got to keep roofs over people's heads. And I I can empathize with that. I have family members who are relying on that right now because their sectors got completely shut down. And yeah, I'm, they're grateful for it. I'm grateful that they have it. And, but it's something that we have to kind of keep in mind that even, even if we've got it rough, there are people out there who probably have it way rougher. And I know as far as us, there are people who have it way rougher than us. And we've had to, we've had to change our lifestyle to kind of adapt to all this and kind of cut costs, um, do whatever we can to kind of, yeah, to just kind of change our lifestyle, to go along with the way things are now. So I urge you to kind of check in with your friends, Um, be mindful of kind of their mindsets and where they're at, um, how their life's going, how they're dealing with all this, because ultimately we get through this together, right? And one of the bonuses that I took out of uh, the isolation relating to the work camps was it gave me a lot of time for self-reflection to kind of see and take stock of where I was at in life um, to kind of organize and settle my goals, what I wanted to get out of that, uh, job and that situation. And I think that a lot of us can probably use this time in the same way, uh, kind of take stock of where you're at, be thankful for the things that you do have. Um, this again, I think that a lot of this is going to kind of put things into perspective for a lot of people and it's going to, clarify a lot of doubt uh, surrounding our future like I mean if you can take this time to organize yourself and to set clear goals moving out of this uh, I think that's that'll be a net bonus in the long run and I think it's something that we can all do regardless of our situations again to just kind of take stock of where we're at um, be thankful for who we have in our lives and really be appreciative of that and again moving forward if we can set goals and we can kind of Decide where we want to orient our energy and our effort moving out of this. I think I think as an individual and as groups as friend groups, we can really move forward um, in a lot better mindset and in a lot clearer path. And so looping back to kind of the small goals that I would set while we were in camp kind of marking off the days at 5, 10, 15, 20 days into my stints. I think that's something, and again, I touched on this last podcast too, but it's something that we really should take the time to do is set and follow these strict goals. And I can't stress enough how important it's been to me at least to set short-term goals, especially in this time right now. Um, Because for me, the most frustrating thing is not knowing when this will end. So it's hard for me to kind of put any long-term plan together or I mean even just a medium-term plan together like a lot of the plans I'm talking about are week-to-week at max Um, we're trying to save whatever we can Uh, if we can invest anything we're trying to although you know nowadays it's not it's not overly feasible but we're trying to do whatever we can basically to prepare ourselves for coming out of this Um, again I mean who knows where the economy is going to be heading Um, who knows what's going to happen and so you can't really focus on the long-term right now. At least I can't. And I, I wouldn't recommend it for anybody. I'd say just set your week-to-week goals max. You know, even set, if that's too difficult, set daily goals. You know, um, one person who's been an incredible inspiration through this is actually my mom. She's, she's taken massive steps in improving her physical health. And it started with, it started with daily step totals that she would want to get to, you know, 10,000 steps. And then she started just killing that, like that was easy. And now she found some, some workout program that gives her a bit longer term goals, but it's something that she can control. It's all, it's all related to personal health. So it's, you know, X number of kilometers or X number of miles ran or biked and, you know, and she's been doing incredible with it. I think, I don't know exactly what the numbers are, but she's probably done, I don't know, I'm guessing around 40 miles up to this point. And this is just in the last couple of weeks. And for somebody who hadn't been really putting a priority on um, physical health or physical training, that's, it's an incredible improvement. And it's something that I've drawn a lot of inspiration from. Um, especially in the last few weeks, you know, I mean, you start to get, you start to get kind of bummed out again. Like I was saying, like I'm very goal oriented. So to not know when this lockdown is going to be over, to not know what the long-term plan is, it's, it's frustrating and it's tough to deal with because again, that then, that impedes my ability to set my own long-term goals and to kind of plan for my own life. And so again, looping back, that's why, I can't recommend enough to set shorter term goals, things that are within your control, because there's so much right now up in the air that, you know, take hold of whatever you can. Um, it really helps to anchor you into to kind of still maintain that feeling of purpose and of accomplishment. If you can if you can grab something that's solid and. Um, and that you can that you have control over because again right now it feels like we have control over very little so grasp at whatever you can um and kind of just let it help to anchor you help to guide you help to give you some um some clear sight and a path forward and by kind of anchoring yourself much like well much like my mom has you can kind of you don't realize the effect that it'll have on others around you in your support bubble and in people who have you in their support bubble. I mean, again, like I was saying earlier, we get through this together and draw inspiration from whatever you can. And if you aren't finding the inspiration in people around you, then try to be the inspiration for others around you. Um, like again, even looping back to the, the overdoses, the abuse issues, the substance abuse issues. Um, try to kind of find meaning in whatever you can give yourself a path forward and anchor yourself to solid ground um and yeah and you, you'll never know the effect that they'll have on others around you be it your your co-workers or be it your family members or anybody kind of in and around your immediate quote-unquote bubble um and keep an eye out on them too you know keep Keep tabs with them, make sure you keep up with them, see how people are doing. Um, even even today with mental health being a, a much more open topic, it's still not something a lot of people, a lot of men especially I find are really open to talk about. Sometimes it takes a bit of coaxing, sometimes you really gotta you know, grease the wheels, start talking, try probing. And even if you don't use that language, just try to find a way around it. You know, ask them, ask them how they're feeling. You know, what have they been up to? Um, Do you have any, anything you're trying to accomplish? Do you have any books you're reading or anything like that? But something that, something to kind of orient them and give them, give them kind of, I don't know, a compass to follow. And another thing that I have to say that I'm thankful for nowadays is just where we're at with technology. I mean, I don't do it enough. I need to do it more and hopefully by kind of putting it out there and verbalizing it here it'll kind of hold me accountable for it, but like I I need to make a better effort to even FaceTime my my grandpa, you know? I mean, with his situation we're taking it pretty seriously because he's in uh, an old folks home and so obviously if a COVID infection gets in there it's a lot it's a lot bigger deal than to the broader younger public. Um And so I've been kind of falling short on that, but it's something that hopefully now I can really kind of, um, prioritize and make sure that I do phone him at least once a week. He loves seeing my kids. So his great grandkids and, um, yeah, just be thankful for kind of the technology and where it's at now. I mean, if this had happened 50 years ago, like it would be devastating mentally. At least now we have that outlet. We have that, uh, That possibility to still kind of have face-to-face time and chat and see each other and check in. So take full advantage of that um, whenever you can, really, and check in often. Now, one thing that I really hope we can kind of develop, and I've been trying to be mindful of it all the time, is just a stronger appreciation for quote-unquote regular life and how things were and how things hopefully will get back to. Um... I know even again, like when I did my first stint and came back out, I was so appreciative, especially that time of just my regular everyday life of being able to go out for food, um, meet up with friends, go to a movie, you know, all these things that we're still, we're kind of experiencing nowadays. It's a lot of the same feeling as when I first went away to camp. And I know coming back from that, I had such a deeper appreciation for everyday life, for being at home, um, for having you know my regular surroundings around me, for being able to do the regular things that I enjoyed to do. And I really, really hope that as a society we kind of we gain that that deeper, I don't know, that deeper appreciation basically just for for regular life. I think it's something that we could really use. Um, and I think I think ultimately that we're going to get there. Because, I mean, looking back, like, I took so many things for granted. Um, again, the things that I've already listed, but even even just big family get-togethers. I mean, I remember back before all this, they felt like a chore sometimes. Like, it's like, oh, here we go, another family reunion or something. Now I would kill for a family reunion. It's, it's just that sense of community and that sense of, you know, love was great. And being surrounded by it was amazing. So... Again, I really hope that we can kind of gain uh, a much deeper appreciation for that and the importance of it in our lives, especially now that we've all felt the void of it for so long. I mean, we're pushing on six months with no real end in sight as to when this is going to end. So whenever it does, I hope that we've really grown as people. And it's something that I would challenge you to do is to... Grow personally and really take stock of those relationships. Um, Tend to them and nurture them as much as you can now. And, you know, when this is all over, get together and really appreciate it. You know, don't view it as a chore like I did. Um, just, Just change your mindset when it comes to things like that. So in closing, please do whatever you can to kind of check on those in your immediate bubble and in your physically distance bubble um, but make sure they're doing all right um, do whatever you can to kind of lift them up carry them through this and again if if you aren't finding a lot of inspiration around you then be that inspiration and to start by again smaller controllable goals things that you you can really feel are an anchor in your life and and give it a direction And uh, that'll be all for this week. I'll be putting out another one next week. And thank you very much for anybody who listened. Bye now.